Welcome to Not Meddling, Just Mothering. We are on chapter 13 of Proverbs today. We hope you enjoy. Take a listen. Well, hello, Missy. Hey, Asha. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I told you before I'm scattered brain this week, but I'm bringing it all back to one little place while I sit here and do a podcast. <laughs> I know how that goes. And do you have any wins this week? My littlest grandbaby so far, he's not two years old till November. His mom said, say grandma. And he said, mom. So he oh, cried nice. grandma. And I don't That's know if he told you, but he said, I love you to me a few weeks ago. So well, no, you didn't tell me. So you started yeah, to talk. because her and I, whenever we're on the phone, we say, okay, love you. Bye. And he goes, love you. That's funny. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait till I get that moment to be able to share too. Someday. So my win, I think for this week, we finally moved to Colorado. That's why we haven't been on here for a little while, because when I got here, I was sick. And then, so we took a week off and then finally we get to record and kind of settled in kind of. And my win is that my kids are adulting all on their own without us for the first time in their lives. <laughs> They're back in California and I've been keeping in touch with them and they're keeping the house going the way it should and they're watering the basil plant I planted outside and it looks beautiful and it's grown so big <laughs> and they're just adulting, you know, and not freaking out on life. So I'm excited about that. One big thing that they have done is we had a vehicle that we had purchased before we moved here. It was just an older Ford Focus and the fuel pump had given out right before we left and my husband tried to fix it. While we were there, it ended up not working. So we just left it and said, okay, guys, this is your first adulting mission and we'll help with part of the expense. But if you want this car, you guys can use it, but you'll have to fix it. So while we were here the first week, my son took it upon himself and took it to the mechanic and got it fixed. And now it's running. Although there was another issue right after the battery needed to be replaced as well. So but he did it. And so I'm so proud of him. Although he said, you guys left us a lemon, but they got it fixed and it's running right now. So I'm so, I'm so glad and proud of them. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I don't think there's that many parents in our listening audience that have left their children and that's how they became empty nesters. You guys are kind of doing it your own way. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a little, um, not the traditional way, but, um, and it's not that we were trying to be empty nesters. It's just that we felt we needed to be here for a ministry that we are joining. And they felt that they didn't want to join us at that point. And who knows, maybe they will come over later. But at this point, they, they wanted to stay there and do their life there for a little bit. So Asha, it's okay to be empty nesters. That's the way it should be. <laughs> All at once is not the, the normal way to do it. So it's kind of like a shock to my system. You know, even normal empty nesters, it's a little shock to you whenever one child leaves and then the next one and the next one and the next one. But then when you get all of them out at once, when you've had all four kids with you most of your life, it's just, whoa, wait a minute, what's happening, you know? Well, you did have practice with your oldest because he's been gone, what, three or four years now? And my second oldest was gone for a little while as well. But I told my husband, I, I know how to miss them, you know, because I lived without them for a little while. 
It's just the two youngest ones I don't know how to miss yet. I don't know how it's going to feel or without them there. And it's kind of been rough. I've had my rough days, but I think for the most part, I'm doing pretty well. I just got to keep busy, which I'm doing. So it's going to be okay. Life isn't over, right? Right. It's just funny. I have to say, though, one of the biggest adjustments you'll have to do is even what you talk to your husband about, because when you have kids and you have places to take them or you all go to dinner, you know, whether it's dinner out or dinner home or whatever, you are your whole life is you talk about them, you plan about them. And that was one of the biggest things I noticed is like, what in the heck do we talk about? Because <laughs> we're just here and what do we eat? You know, like I would make meals and they would be so big because I right. used to cooking for four and when the oldest was still in five people. And so it was like, okay, well, shoot, I made so much food. We're going to have to eat this for the next four days. So those are some of the practical things because you really have to get to know your spouse again in a different way. That's a whole different life. It's interesting because you're right. We have focused on our children for so long. And I think typically there's a big percentage of parents that actually get divorced at this point of life because they don't know each other anymore and they haven't invested in each other and they're trying to figure each other out and they've grown so far apart because their whole life was their children. So they tend to leave each other. So that's not happening because they don't have anything in common except the kids. Exactly. Exactly. So I think for us, that hasn't been the case that, you know, it was just the kids. We've also focused on our ministry and each other. And we do share a lot of things in common. So that's a good thing. So glad about that for sure. sure. (laughs) Well, we're doing chapter 13 this week of Proverbs, continuing with the Proverbs series. And let's go ahead and just jump right in. Are there any standout verses to you uh, that you want to share first? Or I can go ahead and start with verse one. Yeah, you can start with verse one, but I can't wait to get to verse 12 because I just, I just see a real issue with mental health lately. I think verse 12 is going to take us there today. Actually, how about we go ahead and read the chapter before? So did you want to read? I am wearing the reading glasses. One reads his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. To turn one away from the snares of death, good understanding gains favor, 
but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a full ambassador brings help. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be paid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for the lack of justice there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eat to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Yep, more good stuff for this week again. Let's go ahead and start with verse one. I think for me, it, there was a point in my life where I used to listen to my parents when they try to give me advice. I think it was probably during my teen years. And I think some of my kids may have gone through this phase as well, where we just rolled our eyes and like, whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I'm going to wear that, not going to wear this, right? Whatever, you know, or whatever it was that, that our parents would try to advise us. But then I think as I matured and I got older, I, I realized the value of their wisdom because of their life experience. And I was able to take their advice to heart instead of just blowing them off. But it wasn't always because there were times where I was like, yeah, right. Whatever you say. Yeah, sure. But then I do the opposite, right? My daughter was talking about, about how sweet her little boy is. And, and he's, like I said, he's not even two. And, he, you know, he, he likes to watch Mickey Mouse. And he goes, oh, and, you know, he's just so sweet. But then when, when she was saying something to him and he said, no. I said, can you imagine the first time he slams his door and tells you something back? And she goes, no, because he loves me so much right now. Like, I am the queen of his world. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. When they slam their door and they're like, oh, it's you. And you're like, because I'm not going to go buy you shoes tonight for school. Not like shoes you need. Yeah. Shoes for that one outfit yeah. that you think you're going to die if you don't have. So, yeah. But but she was like, loves me too much. Um, yeah, I think for me, you know, you love your parents. You think they can't do anything wrong or that they know everything. They're the greatest in the world. Then you come to a point where like, okay, my parents, maybe they don't know as much as I thought they did. And then later you're like, oh, wow, my parents know so much more than, than I thought they did. You know what I mean? So it, it starts off with like, my parents know everything. Then, nah, they don't know as much as I thought they did. And then later it's like, oh, yeah, they do. They do. So it's, it's just, I think, the way life goes. And I think it's a cycle of life. Well, Asha, I'll tell you, though, that I have seen a new trend with my kids. Well, my oldest. So I would say from about... 13 to about 21. Well, okay, let's start back. Newborn to about 12 was the genius in the house. And then 13 to 21, they were the genius. <laughs> they were the smartest people in the room. Right. But, and then, and lately, because they're 24, 25 and a half and 27 and a half. And then all these years, like 22, 23 to now, They've been like, you're right, mom. We should have listened to you, mom. Well, recently, my oldest, like when I talked to him, he's like, no, I don't agree with that. Like I said to him, you know, I see alcoholism. It's a disease and it's also a choice. 
because, and I said, it's, it's a lot like diabetes because it's a disease, even, even obesity, it is a disease. It is going to affect you things that you're out of your control. But then when you put yourself in that place, like you're eating huffing down cupcakes and then you can't figure out why your sugar is like 400 in the morning. It's just like alcohol when you are drinking, 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 and you've gone to parties, you know, they're going to drink. That's the choice. And he said, no, I don't believe that. I don't, he said, I don't agree with that. And I just, I don't even know what he said after that, because I was so fascinated. Like, He's telling me he doesn't agree with me. I wasn't like hurt. I was just like, wow, it's so interesting. We're back in that same place again where he is smarter than me. And I don't know. But And I don't care. You know, I really, I mean, it doesn't change our relationship and it doesn't make one of us better than the other or more right than the other. I was trying to make my point and he is just saying, I don't agree with you. And, and it's okay that he doesn't agree with me, but it's just funny the stages of I'm right, that right. mom knows nothing. And then mom knows so much, like, let's call her for parenting advice and ask her if we should refinance our house or do you think we should pay off the car or the credit card? You know, and I tell them, well, which one has the most interest rate? You know, all those things. And now we're back to where they have their own right. thoughts and you know, maybe, maybe I'm right, but maybe they're right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm at the point where they're like calling me up and asking me, mom, yeah, well, enjoy, Asha, enjoy that you know? because it feels so good to be the, to be yeah. the crown princess again. Yeah. Yeah. For a little while, we'll see how it goes. And, and it's actually not all of them. I think there's one that actually is like, yeah, you have your beliefs and I have mine. And I'm like, okay, okay. But my beliefs aren't based on anything that I made up. My beliefs are based on what yeah. the Bible says, okay? So, yeah. you know, I'm like, nanny, nanny. I'm going back into my little childish what, thing, what do you think? Am I right? Diabetes and alcohol, it has. Well, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and I think also like my husband has been diagnosed with kidney disease and he was in, I think, stage three kidney disease. And they told him, if you change your diet and you eat this and that, it, you can get better. And sure enough, he went down all the way, I think, to stage one. And now he's back at stage two. So it just depends on the diet and the way we eat and the way we take care of ourselves sometimes, what diseases will fall upon us. And I do agree with that, what you were talking about diabetes, because I have two people in my family that have had diabetes. My father had it and my brother has it now. And when you've been your whole life eating a certain way and then you're told, oh, you need to change this or else it's going to get worse or it can help you. You don't have to use insulin or whatever. Sometimes it's really hard for people to, to really change that, but it is possible. So I do see that as a choice as well. So I think I agree. <laughs> well, with I mean, I could be so. wrong about some part of it, but I just know that sometimes life is choiceful and then some things just happen to you and you are like, okay, I can't control some of, some of the things that happen. So, but it, it was just interesting because, you know, as we're talking about like, oh, as we get older, our kids they start to think we're we're wiser, but apparently there's a there's a up and a down about that. Yeah, that's interesting. Just to say this too, I just wanted to to say I think I'm really still processing the part about you thinking that alcoholism is a disease. So I don't know if your son was thinking this just because it didn't happen until they made that choice to drink. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't something that came upon them 
or that was genetic. So that's what I'm just wondering. Okay, I'll still have to process. Okay, oh, look, it, look it up on Google. Okay, alcoholism is a disease and some people are prone to it in their genes just because of alcoholism in their family. It's, it's kind of interesting. Hmm. That's interesting, but they also say that the vaccine is going <laughs> to stop COVID-19. They also say that yep. on Google. But if so, you get monkeypox, the COVID vaccine isn't too dangerous. So is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be, that might be the yes. next thing. Well, my son said people are allergic to, to alcohol. They don't realize they have an allergy because instead of breaking out into sores, they break out into handcuffs. So that's, that's funny. Well, you know what? It's a toxin. So you would think you would know your body is yeah. not going to receive it well if you take large doses. But, but what do we know, right? So, so moving forward then, let's go on to verse three. My version says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So this just spoke to me to be careful what we say. We cannot take back our words after they're out. I got that illustration in my head about feathers blowing in the wind. Once you let them out and it's windy, they're all going to blow away. You're not going to be able to go pick them all up and put them back into the sack you got them out of. That's kind of how words are. When you speak words, they'll just be out there and you can't take them back. And they'll penetrate hearts sometimes. I think of sometimes words that I have heard that have been spoken to me and I still were even from when I was a child and it kind of marked me and influenced who I became which it shouldn't have but because it was words that were harsh but that's what happens when you don't think about what you say and when you guard your mouth you know later on you're thinking I sent this to this person and that ruined our relationship you can't take that back you preserve your relationship, you preserve your life, you preserve life. So you don't ruin relationships, you don't kill relationships when you're speaking words of, of edification and words of love into people's lives. So that's what we want to be able to speak instead of harsh words so that it doesn't ruin us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even our well, relationship. Well, forget about relationships. Just some of the words people say during road rage during, you know, during an argument at the gas station here in Jacksonville, people get shot all the time from saying some little smart ass remark at the gas station. <laughs> I'm not laughing that they got shot. It's just like, when are you going to learn? Just, just get, just get your candy bar and wipe, get in your car and leave. You don't need to say some opinion <laughs> that's going to start a fight. It's like, oh. yeah, it's wisdom when we speak words of edification and, and not just speak things that sometimes just come to mind. We don't have to say everything that's on our mind. Yeah. Really, And, and I will say, you know, it's it's it used to be guys, like guys would puff out their chest and say whatever they wanted to whoever they came across. But I know that nowadays adults that are our kids' age, girls will just say anything. And you're like, um, can you back that up? Like, do you how are you concealed carrying in your purse or what? Because what are you going to do if that person comes after you or shoves you or whatever? So I think right. one of the best ways to really understand where your adult children are is let them talk like any story they want to tell. So we were downtown and we were going to go to this restaurant and then we were going to stop at this place. And then I said, and then they said, and listen, and don't 
you know, don't attack them with a lecture right there, but let them tell you stories of where they think they're bragging and you're like, mm, my kid seems to have a problem with how they talk to other people or whatever. Right. Right. And we just want to maybe encourage them to just bring edifying words instead of, you never know what somebody's going through too. We all have bad days sometimes and we never know who around us is having the bad day. So when we bring words that are harsh, it's going to stir up anger. I think that is one of the Proverbs. I can't even remember. I know it is. I just don't know which one it is. Harsh words stir up anger, but soft answer turns away wrath. That's one, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures in my high school yearbook. There was another quote that was kind of similar to it. Let's see. It was make your words soft and tender because tomorrow you may have to eat them. Or sweet and tender. Make your words sweet and tender because tomorrow you might have to eat them. That's what that's saying. Just be careful what you're saying. Don't be saying really harsh words and because you may have to yeah. face what you said. Back it up like you said. So moving on to verse four. Let's see. Verse four was the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So this basically is telling us that laziness does not pay the bills, right? If we are lazy, we're not going to earn any kind of wages. And we're not going to be able to pay our bills. So when you're diligent, you'll be richly supplied because you'll be able to reap the harvest, right? So but that's I, a good I think thing. it really just talks about a person that that is lazy or isn't working for the things that they have goals for, they can sit around and go, oh, why did those people get to buy a house? Or why does that person, you know, have a car? Or why did they go on that little trip? And it's, it's like, you can want, you know, it just talks about the desires to those people that scroll through everybody else's Instagram and hate them for it. It's like, okay, well, you've got to get up and make that effort and more will, more will come to you. But it's just one of those things is understanding that jealousy without work just really doesn't amount to anything. It's, it's exhausting because you can never catch up with your desires. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those are really good practical things. And I, I think looking at from a spiritual perspective as well. The soul of the soul of the slugger craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. We as Christians, when we dig into the word and are diligent about seeking after God, our soul will be richly supplied. But when we're just lazy and not just trying to be fed maybe once a week at church or when we hear the sermon on the radio or whatever, that's not going to fill us up completely. We need to be more diligent in seeking God and his word. So that's the spiritual part of it. So moving on to number six is righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but sin overthrows the wicked. That to me just said, when you live right, it's your shield, but doing wrong will bring you to ruin. If you're not doing things right, you're just going to, it's going to show eventually. So that's all that I got out of that yeah, one. Yeah, just things that when you have a way about you that is moral and that is based on integrity, that it is going to be your protector. People will assume the best about you instead of looking at you and assuming the worst. Right. That's good. That is really good. And number seven says, one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor. It has great wealth. This just reminded me of this thing we talked about last week as well. That movie Ever After, remember, where the stepmoms pretend she pretended to be rich and 
was actually just selling all the household items to keep up that facade. And in actuality, she was poor and she ended up in the poorhouse at the end. Well, as our kids are growing and getting better and better jobs or completing their education, it's easy to be so proud of them as parents and say, look what my kid has accomplished. Look how much they're making. Look at the car they drive. And it's easy to look at that and be so proud of that. But this talks about somebody who makes themselves rich but has nothing. And another person maybe makes themselves more poor or more humble, and yet they have great riches. So I think as as our kids grow into adulthood and they start to accomplish more and get get a, a better title or become a manage, management material or go for their master's degree or whatever, we need to be praying for them as they get more successful and say, God, please give them holiness. Don't, don't let them be rich, but be empty. So yeah. That's so good. They won't yeah, always really be good. 21 and 22 and 23 and going on dates to Burger King and living on a shoestring and having an old raggedy car. They will eventually accomplish and become, you know, homeowners and all kinds of stuff. But, but who are they still in their hearts? That is so good. Verse 10. So it says, by mind says, by insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. And yours said, first like, and pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I really liked the way that one, that one read. And I also liked the NIV one, which is pretty good too. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. There's always going to be that strife, like it said, or struggle when you're prideful. And you don't want to receive that advice. You don't want to receive help even. It is good when we humble our hearts and are able to receive advice and take wisdom from others. So when, when we're not receiving that advice, I just would say, hey, take a step back and think about are, are we being prideful? And if our kids are coming to us and they won't receive any of the advice we want to share or any advice that people around them are sharing, and you can see that maybe we should pray against that spirit of pride in their hearts because we want them to humble themselves before yep. they're humiliated, you know? So that, that was something that um, I just thought was important to, to humble our hearts and to be humble before God and receive advice and even help. Verse 11, verse 11, the ESV, English Standard Version, it says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So this just spoke to my heart again about those get rich quick schemes or people that call you up and say, oh yeah, if you just give me this much money, I will send you to your bank account, like triple the amount or whatever. And you know, it's just a scam. Well, some people know it's just a scam, but other people are like, well, if I could get that much more money, then yeah, sure, I'm going to do it, you know? And they're not thinking wisely. It's always smart to gather little by little, even though it seems like it takes forever. Just being diligent about it, like the yeah. last verse said a while ago, being diligent in that as well. And that that will accumulate and you will be blessed that way yeah, instead definitely. of trying to get rich quick. And verse 12 is the one that you <laughs> wanted to get yeah. to, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but yeah, when the fire comes, it is a tree of life. And I have met so many 
adults lately, younger and older, that are having to start using anxiety medicine that are really, really under duress right now. You know, whether it's because of inflation or, you know, relationships that aren't working out or money. So I've just noticed a lot of people having to use anxiety medicine, go see therapists, get new therapists that they hadn't necessarily had before. Just a lot of relationship stress. I just wonder if people have been hoping for things that are not working out right now. You know, things that they thought would have happened by now and that it's starting to just make them heartsick. And then, but it says when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And so I think people need to pray and just talk to their heavenly father and say, here's what I need, God. I'm super lonely. I would pray for a spouse or here's what I need. I need a better job. And, And to keep their hopes up. You know, I've talked about that all year that when people have said to me, well, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And I'm like, then what's the point? <laughs> you're not going to get your hopes up and you're a Christian. Then where's your faith right now? You're literally saying, I'm not going to take a chance on trusting God for that. And that's not to criticize them. It's just to say that's a mindset when they're so by themselves and they're just like, no answer is coming. Yeah. And I've been through this in my family. My, one of my family members has had this struggle. And it's hard to be at that place where you want to encourage them, but you can see why they're feeling that way. Because that hope deferred is just such a heaviness, you know? And it's it's amazing when the answer comes through, that tree of life is blooming. It's amazing. And it's such a good yes. feeling. So yeah, but I, I agree with you because this does, this can cause that depression and anxiety and things like that, where you'd have to maybe start getting some medical attention for it. And it's a hard thing. I was telling people now that we moved to to Colorado from California, that my husband and I were talking and saying how much slower paced life is here compared to California, because California is like, go, 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 survive, survive, survive. And here it's kind of like people are just relaxed and it's just I mean, there's still a hustle and bustle, but not as intense and as um, desperate. Desperate. It's not as desperate. It's not survival mode. It's just like, just a little calmer. And then when we were in Africa, when we ran the orphanage in Africa, that was just even a whole nother level of calm and tranquility. I mean, people didn't have to run the rat race because they weren't competing with the Joneses and they weren't having to attain this career goal height. They were just living and buying their food and, and, and living. So it's interesting that throughout the world, there's so many different levels of that anxiety, different ways that people live. And you can tell the difference when you visit different places. So that's really interesting. But do you have any like advice for parents when their adult child is going through stress and worry and maybe some mental anxiety, how they should talk to them? Because it's easy as a parent to be like, hey, why don't you go take a walk? Or why don't you get a cat? Or what, you know, all these, or why don't you go out and try to make friends? And they're like, duh. It's that, you know, well, all you have to do is do this or all you have to do is do that. So I can't say that all you have to do is do this. 
because different people have different personalities and react to advice different ways. And some people don't even want to hear it at the point they're at because they can't. They're struggling so much that there's, there's nowhere else to put any more advice into them. I think the only thing I could say and that has worked for me personally is to continue to get into my word, even when it's not, it's, it feels like it's not doing anything because no matter what, there's always something. The word of God is living and active and it never returns void. It may take time, but it's just like when you're planting a seed in the ground, it doesn't automatically spring that fruit and bear the fruit right away. You have to wait for that process of germination and, and for it to break through the ground and grow. So that's kind of the same thing with the word of God. And you know, his word has promises for this specific thing. It talks about, don't be anxious about anything, but through everything with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And he will give you that peace that surpasses understanding. So that's his promise. So if you're at a point where you feel like you can't do anything. I think just memorizing and, and speaking that promise every day out loud, because the word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you speak it out loud and you're hearing it, then it increases that faith and that belief of what you're saying. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything to prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and he will give you that peace that surpasses understanding. So eventually there'll be that peace that surpasses understanding that comes over you. And then you can take that next step or that first step. It's not an automatic like, yeah, everything's going to be like a genie in a bottle. Everything's okay now. I wish that I was better and I'm better. You have to work at it and it takes time. I was talking to one of my kids about therapy. Now she said, I think every person in the world should have therapy, needs therapy. And I understand her point, but I think that people process things differently. And sometimes there are people that need to go to a person and share their life and their experiences with them and gain some wisdom from whatever, whatever education that person has. But then there are other people that are like, I'm not going to tell my stuff to a stranger. I don't want to know, no stranger knowing everything I've been through. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want a stranger knowing all my business and stuff. So there's Maybe they can go to a mentor or a family member or somebody close to them and share what they're going through and, and they can gain some wisdom that way. And then there's some people that are able to just go before the Lord and lay everything before him. I really feel like that is a gift when somebody can do that because that is just really having that faith. And I don't know if there's a lot of people that can do that. I think some people have to at least vent a little bit of what they're going through. Or speak to someone as a sounding board instead of trying to have them solve their problems as well. So there's different things that I think can be done when hope is deferred. But there's not one set way that everybody can just, oh yeah, follow these three steps to free yourself of anxiety and depression. You know? <laughs> and then there's those people that really need to go and get that medical attention because they do have a physical chemical imbalance. And their levels of hormones are, are offset. And so they need to get that reset physically. So um, that's smart to do. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I know that when I was growing up, that was frowned upon in the church, at least in the church that I attended, that it, it made people seem weaker or that they weren't trusting God. 
but I really believe that God has put physicians and, and scientists on the earth to be able to help us to deal with the things that we're facing. And so they use what God has provided on the earth to find solutions for what the enemy has loosed on the earth, you know? So, well, I just, I, my point was people tell me they're headed that direction. Like they're starting to have to take their medication that they had been off of. And, you know, they're starting to drink, you know, wine at night to try to get through their stress. So I'm just seeing a lot of stress on people right now. Yeah of all ages, young people, older adult women in their 40s and 50s that seem to... Yeah, we all just went through a very traumatic time with the pandemic happening and everything. Maybe some people are feeling some post-traumatic stress disorder, you know? I think maybe that's something that, that we're facing after this this pandemic that we just went through because I don't think in any of our lives we, that has happened ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? That we were locked in our homes and told we could not come out. And it's kind of almost a little bit of a loss of our freedom that we couldn't worship the way we were used to worshiping and things like that. So I think that has a lot to do with what's been going on lately, the stresses and things like that. Yeah. But let's go ahead and move on to verse 13. And so my note says, the word of God gives clear instruction. And when we try to pick and choose, we show no fear or reverence for it and will face the consequences. Verse 13 says, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. This is kind of almost what I was talking about a while ago about how sometimes people are like, they think they're following their parents' traditions but it's actually the word of God that they should be following instead of their parents' traditions. You yeah. know what I'm saying? For example, what we base all that we believe in is the word of God. And we don't just pick and choose and say, you can't do this or you can't do that, but it's okay, we can do this because I think God didn't really mean that or whatever. I think for myself and my husband, when we first got together, we were doing that. We were like, oh, but... We're in love, so we, God doesn't mean that we can't live together or whatever, you know, because we, we were, at that point, we were living together. And then what happened is, obviously, I got pregnant, and I had a child out of wedlock. And I'm not saying that the consequences was my pregnancy, because God knew that was going to happen, and, and he knew my son before he was in my womb. So I just thank God for that. It's just... The struggle we faced when that happened and the struggle we faced yeah. after raising a child that we did not plan, but God knew the plan. So we're just grateful for that. And that drew us closer to him um, when we repented. So we're just grateful for that. But um, if you think that you can just choose the verses that are like, yeah, God, you know, we're in a whole new time. So I don't think God really means <laughs> this anymore. It was back. Day, you know, and these days are different days. We live in a whole nother world, but still the word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, it's funny because on Sunday, our pastor preached and something that really stood out to me, he said, if any of you have ever had your parents said to you, well, you were an accident. He goes, yeah, there was an accident, but he said, no baby is an accident. He said, they're accidental parents. Yeah. Well, that's so 
<laughs> just like makes sense. Really, we but, were the accident. You know, we our choices brought us here, but the baby's never an accident because God knows exactly what He's doing. So exactly, yes, that's so good. I like that. Um, verse sixteen is the next one I have highlighted, and that one says, "Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool it fall." But a fool flaunts his folly. So, wow, that's a tongue twister. But a fool flaunts his folly. <laughs> anyway, so when we think things through before acting, then we're exercising wisdom. But when we just react, that's foolish. There are some people who are talking about the people like at the gas station a while ago where they just speak something and then, then they face consequences, right? They run their mouth or whatever and then they get shot or, you know, those are extreme things. But but that's what happens when you don't think things through. Also, what I said a while ago about somebody offering you three times the amount if you give them up front a certain amount of money and you're like, oh, okay, and you give it to them right away without thinking it through, then you're going to face consequences, right? And that's foolish. Yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that mindset that somebody, they didn't see that the line was forming to the left and so they, they lined up straight and so they bypassed three people. And you can always hear some person in the back of the line, well, you just going to get up in line in front of me? And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, what, what do you think that's going to do? What, you know, because are you like, do you need to be first so bad or is it so important that you give your opinion and start this fight? And it's just. That's so funny because it reminds me of our trip here. We were, we were at a truck stop, right? And so it was a smaller one. So there was only like two bathrooms in it. Then there were one in each bathroom. There was a line formed towards it, but it was at the place where there was the soda fountain. So my daughter and I, we just walked straight towards the soda fountain because we wanted to see what kinds of sodas there were before we, because we saw the line was long before we got in line. So I went first and this guy in line goes, hey, the line starts back there. And I'm like, there's Coke Zero to my husband. And, and the guy's, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> and so my husband came and got his Coke Zero. And then I went to look for some other stuff. And my daughter did the same thing to go get a drink. And, and, and the same guy said, the line is back here. And the lady goes, she's just going for a drink. Okay. Let her go give her a drink. <laughs> Buddy, we didn't even have to issue any consequences. Somebody else spoke out for my daughter. But I think the guy was probably saying that to everybody that passed by to went to get a drink. I think he probably said it to everybody. And this lady was probably, I had it. Just be quiet, dude. No one's going to jump the line. We know you got to pee, okay? So you know, you got to think before you, before you start saying things or doing things, you just got to think things through. Okay, is that person going? If they stand up, get in front of the line, then maybe I should yeah. say something. But, you and know. If, and if, if they're going to make me a little bit late, you know, maybe say something, but say it nicely. I mean, my goodness. Right, right, yeah. So the next one, I think I went to verse 17, a wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. This just, I don't know why it popped into my head, Romeo and Juliet. You know, when the messenger at the end is supposed to take that message to Romeo that Juliet is alive. She just took that fake sleeping stuff so that she could just fall asleep for a while. And so then Romeo ends up getting there and, and killing himself because he thinks she's really dead. And I, but I don't see the messenger as a wicked, like he intended to do that, but he was just slothful. He was just like, uh, and, and in God's eyes, I think that is wicked as well, you know, because you're not even caring about 
the seriousness of the situation or anything like that, the importance yeah. of it. And it says, but a faithful envoy brings healing. So had that messenger been faithful and run and done what he was supposed to do right away, that would have never happened. So there would have been healing. There would have been no death, right? So so that's just what, I, what came to my mind when I read that that scripture. I don't know if you had well, it. Again, when I read it, you know, wicked messenger falls into trouble. And I think if we have adult children that are gossipers or that like to stir mm. trouble, whether it's within the family mm. or among their friend group, some people like they think they're going to be closer friends with somebody if they gossip to them about what was said. And I think when we see our adult kids, maybe they have this as a as a character flaw, you know, that they bring wicked little gossip or dirty little little problems and fights to their relationships. But if they're more of a faithful ambassador, they bring health. And so, you know, I had an aunt that, you know, when anybody said anything negative, she'd say, oh, you're being negative. You know, we don't need that. And so it was just, it was just a reminder, like, hold on. And I, I try to do right. that too. Whenever my family says something like, well, this will never work out. We're always going to be poor. or This is not, we never get picked or whatever. I'd say, well, speak it like you want it and speak those things that are not as though they were. And so when I read that, I thought, okay, what do, what do our adult children, how do they handle their relationships? And it doesn't just have to be the girls, even, even boys can be gossipy. And so, mm -hmm. you know, just reminding them, hey, the, your words count for stuff. Yeah, that's so true. The next one that I have highlighted is verse 20. And I think this is a really important one. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's very important for, for our adult children and for us to choose our friends and business associates wisely. Because whoever you choose to associate with, they actually influence who you are and they kind of almost mold who you are. So you want to find people that challenge you to do your best and that can be there to encourage you and that they, they just care about making you better and not, not just not caring about anything else, but having fun or whatever it is. Right. I always am fearful when I hear stories from my children. And they're saying that maybe one of their friends, oh, so-and-so threw a rock at whatever when they were little, or they, they, they talk back to the teacher in class or things like that. It's kind of a red flag to like, okay, well, so what are your thoughts about that? What happened and why, why did that happen? And, and what would you think is the right way to react in that, in that situation? Or how would you talk to the teacher if that happened to you, you know? things like that. And I think it would be good to encourage them to, to share with their friends and say, hey, maybe that wasn't the best thing to do because then you might get in trouble or whatever. Now, this is for younger kids, of course, but for our adult kids, I think you brought up a story about one of your kids talking to a coworker and then that coworker responded with a prideful email back to him when your son was just trying to give him some yeah. wisdom. And uh, that's all we can do, right? And that's the kind of thing, too, we want our kids to do is not respond back with a prideful, arrogant remark to people that are trying to encourage and challenge them to do better. I think I heard this one a couple of days ago. I heard this one athlete, and I'm not sure who it was. Gosh, I wish I could remember. He was talking about when he played 
basketball, he would go and try to find people that were better than him. He wouldn't try to go and just play and show off with people that couldn't play that well because he could do that and look good, but he wanted to improve and get better. So he would hang out with the people that were better than him and learn better technique, learn better ways to play the game. And then he improved. And that's what we should encourage our children to do, to find people that they look up to, that they see and they, that they want to be able to do things the way they've done them and know the skills and things like that, just like them. And then they'll learn them, right? That's how they'll be improving. Yeah, good, good point. And, you know, it's, it's tough because our kids can be on both sides of it. Sometimes they're the wise ones and sometimes they're going to be the foolish ones. I mean, just like us, sometimes we have wise decisions and then other times we're like, why in the world did I do that? Why did I say that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, when we recognize that the people that are just telling us, oh, you know, when you have something going on with you and they're not challenging you to do better, they're just saying, oh, it's all right. And they agree with our agreement with you about being the victim. This happened to me. So yada, yada, yada. And they're like, yeah, oh, you poor thing. You should just do this or you should do that to get back at that person or whatever. That's another thing. If we have people around us that are just agreeing with us and not challenging us, then that's a really big red flag. And we're not going to grow. We're not going to become any better or improve. We won't learn anything from people like that. So that's something to look for when you're, you're in a relationship yeah, as well. Sure. And the last verse that I have highlighted is verse 24. Verse 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So this is really, really important verse, right? It does not show love when we avoid correcting and disciplining our children. Everything we do teaches our children something. So like when we allow our kids to get away with something, for example, uh, I think one time you were talking about how your brother would maybe lick the lollipop so you couldn't have it. Or I, I know there are sometimes kids will they, their kids will save up their money and they'll buy like a stash of candy or a stash of snacks and put it in their room and hide it. And then if their brother or sister runs in there and grabs it and steals it and then their brother finds out and he's like, dad, mom, so-and-so took my this out of my room. And we're like, oh, that's just your baby brother. Just quit bothering them and quit yelling at them. You know, you're, you're a grown kid. You have more money, you can just buy some more, right? That's teaching your younger child that they can get away with stealing, right? And that always just come to their defense. That, yeah, that's not something that we should be doing. So everything we do teaches our child something. When we discipline them, it, I think that's a really vital thing in raising them. And when they're little, it was spanking their bottoms. I really feel like that's something that is necessary because when they're at a certain age they don't understand anything like punishment like restrictions from tv or restrictions from visiting with their friends or things like that that's more when they're older it's like when they're about to grab a candle that's lit off of the table and maybe spill it on themselves and burn their hand or something you're just gonna maybe swat their hand or spank their bottom and tell them no because they're too little to to understand it any other way unless you let them the other way they could do it is you could let them 
reach on the hot stove and pull that big old pot on them. And they'll learn that way because they'll be like, oh, I burnt myself on that. I can't do that again. Right. But what we when we do uh, discipline them and tell them, no, you can't do that. It's not to keep them from having fun or anything like that. It's trying to teach them, wait, you're going to get even more hurt if you if you do that. You need to associate that with some kind of a pain. So swatting their little bottom is probably the best way to do that. But that, of course, I'm not talking about getting our frustrations out of our kids and beating them and abuse or anything like that. I don't think this is not talking about abuse or taking out our frustrations on them. And when they're older, their modes of discipline and correction are still imperative, but we can't do it the same way. You can't take your 15-year-old son over your knee and spank his butt because, you know, what the heck? I think they probably wouldn't even be phased. They probably are too big by that time to, to even get that kind of discipline. So it, when they're that big, we just do the punishment or restrictions and, and that works with them. But when our kids are adults, what are some things that we can do to continue to give them wisdom and discipline? Because discipline is not always just spanking them. It's teaching them. I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes it's... When they're adults, it's a reverse situation. So they speak us. So if your kid lost their job, then you don't say, oh my gosh. I mean, if they lost their job because they're lazy, because they've been fired, you don't say, oh, I should mm -hmm. send you on a vacation. You deserve to go down to Miami right. Beach and take a vacation because you're really, you had a hard time at that job. So I think discipline when they're adult children is just not rewarding them, but not giving them financial help when they have put themselves in a place where they're, you know, they're suffering for their own choices and letting them kind of crawl out of it, you know, because it's a little bit different. And, you know, there may be things, you know, or if they've done really well, or they've been trying really hard at college, and you're like, you know what, I know you've been trying really hard at college, but it's been kind of lonely this semester. Let me pay your plane ticket home so that you can come spend time with us and your friends here back home or whatever like that. That's, that's a way to reward them. But like I said, discipline is not giving in every single time they make a mess of their life. There are definitely a lot of parents that do that. That's really good. I agree. So it looks like we've gone through the whole thing. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for all you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for our adult children. We thank you for our listeners and their adult children. And we ask that you would just guide us and lead us in all that we do. We thank you for your word that teaches us and fills us with wisdom. We pray that you would give us the motivation and the desire to want to dig into your word and to find these nuggets of wisdom and be able to apply them to our lives and help our children to walk out their adulthood. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Whether your child is facing severe anxiety or they're working through some moral issues. You can be there for them, not just training them, but also modeling your own life for them. You've got this, Mama.